0: Hello, this is Brian Gorman, Managing Editor of Change Management Review. And I am here today with Stephen W. May. Stephen is a business leader and change agent with experience leading diverse teams across North America and four years of experience as an expat in Asia Pacific. He is a co-creator and chief integrator of the change execution methodology for business transformation that's used by Fortune 500 companies. Stephen's also a contributing uh, author to Project Pain Reliever, a just-in-time handbook for anyone managing projects. He is the host of the Project Management Institute's global podcast series, Projectified with PMI. And Stephen just returned from the Philippines where he gave a speech and facilitated session on trust for a group of leaders from across Asia and the Middle East. Welcome, Stephen.
1: Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure.
0: So we are actually recording a two-part podcast today because the topic that we're addressing, which is trust, is one that is so rich and so important to those of us who are change practitioners. So, Stephen, I'd like to begin by asking how you define the word trust.
1: You know, I have uh, struggled with that a little bit, Brian, because I have found really useful work by a number of researchers, a number of authors and practitioners that are dealing with it, and they, they don't all use the same definitions. And so I've had to wrestle with that a little bit. I'll tell you, I did kind of land on one that um, – one writer, David Horsager, uses in his, in his book, The Trust Edge. So I want to make sure I give him credit for this because I, I like these three parts. And he says that uh, the confident belief in an entity, so think of person or organization, and three things that he acknowledges that I found very useful. He says, one, to do what is right. Two, to deliver what is promised. And three, to be the same every time whatever the circumstances. And I found some really useful work from people that have thought about and researched and written in this area, but didn't include all three of those. So not to take anything away from that, but I found those three to create a very nice combination that uh, captures what I have found to be um, true and valuable and and, uh, necessary to think about in situations where trust is going to be essential or perhaps you're experiencing a deficit.
0: Those are important, and and I'm going to ask you, if you would, to repeat those three.
1: Sure. Yeah, again, credit to David Horsager on these uh, from his book, The Trust Edge, uh, to do what is right, to deliver what is promised, and to be the same every time, uh, whatever the circumstances. So, um, well, well, we'll get a chance, I'm sure, to talk more about those, but I found all three to be useful pieces.
0: So why is trust important for those of us who are change practitioners?
1: I think that trust, like some other characteristics of an environment or culture or that are attributed to an individual, trust is one of those great multipliers. It has the ability to to amplify or to multiply uh, our efforts and our energies and our resources. Um, The other side of that coin, unfortunately, is that it also has the ability to Uh, To diminish, so you could think of a kind of modulation. You know, you can you can amp it up or you can turn it down, and whatever goes through that system gets amped up or turned down. You know, based on that. So for me, it's uh, it's it's a factor that if missing, much of what we will try to do. So you think of those whether we are leading a major change initiative or whether we are working as practitioners or agents in support of a major change initiative. Much of the interventions that we would bring, many of the techniques and processes and approaches that we would bring simply do not yield the desired or the needed results if we're working in an environment that uh, that lacks trust.
0: So I'd, I'd love to get more specific here. Do frontline workers need to trust the C-suite? Does the C-suite need to trust frontline workers? Do um, change practitioners need to be trusted and if so by whom uh, how important is the flow of trust if you will
1: yeah no it's it's so i think it's yes and um i think you do create a uh you're working from a deficit if you have a situation where to use your first example where frontline workers do not trust the c-suite so let's just start there You are working from a deficit, if that's the case. However, sometimes when we say that someone is not trusted, it's not because they have done something that has resulted in uh, damage to their reputation or damage to their character or damage to uh, what could have been a trusting environment. It's simply that they haven't earned it yet. So, you know, you could imagine someone coming in and there's nothing wrong with the reputation. They, they've come in as a new leader and I'll stay with your C-suite example. So they've come in as a new senior leader, yet people several layers down. So, in, you know, you could be many layers down, but people four or five layers down, they may not fully trust them, but not because of something negative that happens, simply because that person hasn't earned it yet. The other challenge can be uh, that they've come into a trust deficit. So they've come into a situation where a leader or leaders that preceded them uh, did do something to damage trust. And sometimes that's a, that's a failure in, in the area of omission, where they failed to do things they should have done. But they've created a lack of trust between those layers, which if someone else walks into, they actually have to overcome that. So, so recognizing that... Um, you know, you may have a lack of trust there that's not based on someone having, you know, having committed an offense, so to speak. But so, so yes, if you, come, if, you, if you start there, I think that that deficit does give everyone something they have to overcome. However, we also know if we just think about what we know about the way uh, changes are sponsored effectively, that people first and primarily look close to home. For those messages and those and sometimes we say consequences, you know the positive and negative things that that happen when I work in support of a trust uh, in support of a change or not, so you largely can begin to move the needle even when per someone several layers up has not yet earned that trust. You can begin to move the needle if the people closest uh, to those frontline workers, to stay with your example. Um, are trusted. So if they're performing in a way that has earned and sustains trust, then you can begin to move the needle. Despite the fact that those people may not have yet uh, learned to tr- to trust someone that is, you know, sitting in the C suite.
0: You're making an important distinction that um, I think gets missed, and that is the distinction between not having earned trust and being distrusted. Right. And so I, I thank you for that. Uh, Why does one person trust another? How does how does one build trust?
1: Yeah. So there are, as you would as you would guess or as you would know, there are really um, a fairly large number of factors that contribute. You know, if you think about some of those things uh, on the building trust side, there's a big difference in those that are trusted based on what has been uh, observed action. So we talk about doing, you know, so doing builds trust when people see you actually uh, performing and performing in a way that's consistent with those factors that we talked about before versus empty promises. And by the way, the distinction I make there, the difference between doing versus empty promises, it, you don't even have to have broken the promises if people recognize that the promise is being made or commitment is being made in a haphazard or half-hearted way, that in itself weakens trust or fails to build trust, even if you haven't gotten to the place of actually breaking the promise. So big gap between the difference in, in observed doing, observed action, you know, versus empty promises, um, overall integrity, you know, versus things like a gossip, for example, You know, when people, whether you're gossiping at the high level or whether you're gossiping at the bottom end, people may be interested in the gossip, but it absolutely begins to uh, erode their ability to trust the person who carries that versus someone they perceive to have full integrity who thinks, acts, speaks, and performs in a fully consistent way. Um, Things like blame, you know, blame erodes trust because it gives people a sense that you're not uh, not necessarily and now some of that goes to how they define what's right, but that in some ways you're not going to do what's right um, They they worry about uh, What that means for them so it starts to create something that's uh, that's somewhat unsafe um, You know, I could go down a much longer list, but you know one I think that's interesting to call out is is the way in which people assume responsibility and do things like apologize effectively you know, things like that, we, we are going to have breaches. There are things that are going to go wrong. There are things that are not going to turn out the way we, we would like for them to. And personally, we're going to slip somewhere in some way. But our ability to take responsibility for that and to apologize in a meaningful way and in a way that acknowledges the damage to the other person and in a way that uh, shows that we've thought through this far enough that we're not going to let it happen again. And uh, Daryl Connor's actually done some really nice work around this in terms of laying out a process for that and uh, which I've which I've referenced uh, many times but um, you know one other Brian I said I was going to stop there but one other I'll call out is we actually build trust by extending trust and our ability to extend trust to other people in a smart and thoughtful way not set people up for disaster not leave them orphaned you know give something to them that they're in no way ready for and can't possibly succeed at, not that, but extending trust to people in a way that's thoughtful and intentional and supportive and providing them all the resources they need to succeed uh, goes a long way in building their trust toward uh, us. So so those are some that come to mind. Thank you. One
0: of the things that um, I have found incredibly important in, in the whole Trust realm, if you will, is leader visibility. It's often not what you say, but what you do, and how you show up. Any thoughts about that, Stephen?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're, uh, you know, you're hinting at something that that speaks to both performance and what we sometimes call presence. So the performance side being the the kind of doing i was talking about before and then some of the things you alluded to brian around you know how a leader shows up yeah and one that comes to mind for me that links directly to that is well really two and i'll borrow from um it was probably best codified by uh stephen m r covey when he he wrote a book called uh, smart trust and two of the things that he talked about there that were important factors in building and sustaining trust was one was a belief in trust so if you convey to people through your words tone attitude actions that you actually believe trust is important that you've actually taken trust as a, a significant or essential factor in achieving what you've set out to achieve that that becomes a factor in building a trust environment. So if you don't believe in trust then the likelihood that you're going to uh, cultivate a trusting environment is is very low. It's not going to happen by accident. Another is is this notion of trusting yourself. So if you come off in a way that suggests you don't trust yourself and you could break that in a down in a variety of ways but two obvious ones are character and competence. So if you don't believe in your own character, and you don't believe in your own competence, then that will come through. So as you begin, to, as, you, as you fail to trust yourself, other people will sniff it out, so to speak, and they'll fail to trust you as well. Whereas if you do believe you have the character and competence to, uh, to perform effectively in the situation, to do what you've said you're going to do to keep your commitments, then, um, then that goes a long way in beginning to Uh, build the trust in the people around you. I mean, we've all had this experience of encountering somebody, and we may not know them well enough yet ourselves, but I've said this. I've I've watched a, a leader get up and address, you know, the troops, so to speak, get up and address those that he or she leads and come away saying, oh, I can totally get how people follow her. I can totally get how people trust her. You know, because something comes through that conveys a kind of character and transparency and competence, and you've got to have both uh, that you, you can get instinctively how they could build trust quickly.
0: And vice versa. Yeah. We, we've all heard and seen leaders <laughs> for the first time that we say, <laughs>
1: right. You're right. I'm
0: not sure I trust her. I'm not sure yeah. I trust him.
1: Yeah, exactly. You can say, I, you know, I hope things are better than they seem, but Wow. Just you know, just watching him or her address their troops, address the the, the people that they that they lead. I'm, I'm using troops metaphorically here, but addressing the people that they lead, you sometimes you shake your head and say, "Wow, that's going to be a that's going to be an uphill climb," you know. But another one, you know, again, I'm going to borrow. I, I try to I try to give credit where I've been really inspired by you know some of the the practitioners and writers and researchers that that I have drawn from. Um, but again, going back to uh, Stephen and Mark Covey's work, you know, one of the things that I thought was was so interesting and, and linked so strongly to my own experience, even in other areas, just my, my broader um, strategic change experience, was this, what he talks about in the area of intent, where, where he says, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but he essentially says, look, you have got to be, and he, he's talking primarily to people that are, that are in some kind of leadership capacity, but I believe agents doing important work on change initiatives are in a leadership capacity. Uh, he says, look, you have got to be clear about your intent. You've got to be clear about what it is you're trying to, inch, trying to achieve and why. And he, he breaks it down, the what and the why. You've got to be really clear about what you're trying to achieve and why, because your actions alone are, are all subject to interpretation. And if you just leave it to people to sort out why you're doing what you're doing, you leave it to, to people to watch you act and try to figure out or reach their own, own conclusions about what you're doing and why, you will diminish trust. You know, some people will be guessing, but they won't have confidence. Some people will guess correctly, um, but they still may or may not understand why you have left it to them to figure out. Many people will guess incorrectly. They'll write, we know people will always write their own story if if you don't fill those gaps for them. Um, So I thought that was another really important component, especially uh, for leaders, is to um, go out of their way, to be clear about what it is they're trying to achieve and why, and to really err on the side of exposing that information uh, rather than keeping it close to the vest.
0: We're going to have to wrap up in just a few minutes here, but before we do, I wanted to ask you, uh, what got you so interested in this topic?
1: Yeah, so this was one for me that it it did not come from a... uh, you know, an academic or theoretical interest and then, you know, grow into application in my work, it came the opposite direction. What happened for me, and it's been particularly focused over the last few years, was that as I began to move from from client to client and um, executive to executive, executive team to executive team, and of course th- this meant situation to situation, one of the common threads that I began to observe was a crisis of trust now i 'm not the first person to use that phrasing. others have said that but but that was that was something that i I began to uh, find so obvious that it required special attention and you know i 've made this joke which is which would it would be wrong to actually do this but i 've joked that you could almost walk into a, in many large companies, you could almost walk into a senior executive's office and sit down across from her without any data and just say, "Say, um, I need to, to be clear with you that you have a real serious trust problem. Now, it would be wrong to do that, but you could almost do it. I mean, it's, it's gotten to where it's so common that you encounter this issue of trust uh, at a peer level where people leading different uh, business units, for example, or particularly in cases where you know there's a um, some type of merger or integration uh d- dynamic at work, people across layers, so people that are uh, you know two or three layers above and, and below and And I've just seen this I saw this pattern that was creating such a serious problem where things would move too slowly. Decisions that appear to have been made would have to be remade and remade and remade. Um, People would show up in important situations, important environments, but not say what need to be said, but then leave and go, um, whether intentionally or not, say and do things that were very damaging to the progress going forward. So that's how it emerged for me was it just became too important. You know, we could talk about great techniques and great, pro, uh, great processes, great approaches, uh, really important ways of engaging and working, great interventions, but all of that, all of that falls somewhat flat if you're in, a, if you're in an environment where there simply isn't enough trust to sustain good work. And, um, Probably probably a longer explanation than you need, Brian, but that, that's where it came from for me. So I d- began to move from that saying, okay, this is serious. This is important. It's serious. There's too much of a pattern here across organizations, across teams, um, that I, I've got to be prepared to approach it more effectively. And so I started making it my business to not only pay more attention to it and uh, elevate my client's awareness but then to get smarter and smarter on this topic as well to where now as you mentioned before i'm getting the opportunity to actually go in and and meet and work with people specifically around this topic uh topic of trust which which i i'm not sure there are many things that are much more important from a leverage perspective
0: thank you that concludes part one of our two-part podcast with stephen in part two we're going to be focusing in much more detail on, so what, how do we as change practitioners work with this concept called trust?